Okay, well, well we're going to start with that. <laughs> Welcome to the Wildly Tarot Podcast. Hi, Esther. Hi, Holly. We're trying to brainstorm for what we could talk about at the beginning of this conversation because both of us are like horse <laughs> and a yes. little bit like it's been a long day for Esther. And I yes. was saying that I was so excited about this like little tiny two day storm that's coming in and I, we could do that as banter. And Esther's like, there's nothing more Californian than being like, oh, it's mid-November, we're finally getting an ounce of weather. Let's talk about it on the podcast. Let's talk about the weather on the podcast. Uh. Hey, I just don't get a lot of that. I love hey. rain. Well, for, for, for those who live in, in greater California area, perhaps like around LA, for the next two days, you'll be getting dark and stormy rains. So that has been your weather You're report really with the Wild podcast. Yeah, this has been wildly weather. Wildly or weather? Like not even wild weather. Like totally standard weather with the Wildly Tarot podcast. <laughs> totally standard weather. <laughs> I am just so excited about it. Last night I was finishing up the book that we're reviewing today and Nathan was watching TV and I like made him mute it so that I could hear the rain. Like that's oh my how goodness. hard up for weather we are. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so cute. I mean, I would do the same thing. But yes, I love that. It's just so pretty. I went to college in Oregon. We lived in Florida. Like, I love rain. It is my favorite thing. So even though it's a cliche to talk about weather, I really am excited about it. Even though people who are listening to this live all over the country, or all over the world, and they're like... All over the world. We haven't seen a ray of sunshine in 40 days. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I love it. I just so love been, it so much. And I'm perpetually cold. I found out the word in Korean for fleece-lined pants yesterday. <laughs> it's chemo. And so now I can look for chemo paji on the internet. It's a specific thing. Very specific. But now my legs will be warm until the summer comes. So I'm very appreciative. <laughs> so that has been Wally weather in Korea. So yeah, if anyone exactly. Else if anyone Korea, has, and then now uh, you know uh, how to search for weather. <laughs> celestial weather is the moon is in Virgo. It's going to kill Esther. It's killing me. <laughs> I'm done. I'm going to go to bed and just, just stay in bed until Virgo's finished. <laughs> I think that's the best bet when Virgo's in anything. So It's just so funny because I love it when the moon is in any earth sign. I feel so peaceful. Maybe that's the other reason why I'm so excited about the rain. So Oh, yeah, I'm- maybe. Just Virgo makes me intense, and I don't like that intenseness. <laughs> It brings like all the perfectionism out. Oh yeah, I I, like I'm that. I'm very adept at avoiding that within myself. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh no no no. I'm very aware of it. Okay, we have a lot to get to because every single time we do a book episode, it ends up being two hours long. Four so, hours long. Yes. It's your okay. turn to pick a card. I am going to use Way of the Panda Tarot because it's a gentle, soft, fun deck. Because you just Unlike need a little bit of a moment. panda hug. Okay. Yes, it's a nice hug. So let's see. For episode today, I'm breathing exercises like we did last week. <laughs> <sighs> no. Six counts in, two out. It has to be fast. Okay, let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Card of the day is the devil. And the devil's actually one of the saddest cards in Way of the of the oh, 
Ter- panda because he's trapped and he's like i want to go but it's like it's actually depicting like your inner self like how you're like how you've been cruel to your inner self and so this is hey, kind of a message exactly. to me stop being cruel to yourself esther exactly Everything's gonna be okay so thank you kim you're an influencer because i had a brunch with some new friends on su- on sunday oh one of whom listens to the podcast and she was saying that she does the seven to seven and seven thing also now after oh. listening to you do it <laughs> Everybody appreciates getting some format. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to, like, create a ritual here. It's just, it just helps to have some parameters if you're neurotic like me. <laughs> that is very, very Virgo-y of you. So you're going to be counting to seven even harder than usual today. Making sure I get to seven exactly. Exactly. So do you want to start with some Patreon shoutouts before we delve into the book? I yes, do. Patreon. Although I don't have a deck yes, out. Yes, yes, I'm Oh, a dummy. Hold on. Got one. Okay, so our first Patreon, new Patreon member, is Richard. So let me shuffle really quick. Make sure the devil doesn't pop back out. (laughs) And let's see. For Richard, your card is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven's a really hard number. Why didn't I pick three? Your card is the moon. And look at this moon. It has like a panda that's on the Sleepy panda. Sleepy panda. Because all moons need to be slept through. Yeah, it's true. I can see it pretty big right now. Oh, yikes. I pulled two for Siobhan accidentally. Oh, my. Well, accidentally. I can say that just to cover my ass for you, but you know the truth. I pulled one. Oh, I know that she just naturally, she would pull out five cards for Siobhan. Yeah. Easily. Well, I got the five of cups followed by the eight of cups, Siobhan. So good luck with whatever transition you're about to have to decide about. (laughs) Whoa, lots of cups. Lots of cups. And the two that are like the dreariest. Yes. But it's okay. Sometimes you got an eight of cups to get really cool stuff to happen. I know. And speaking of, the creative tarot is the book we're talking about today. And she kind of has a story about this sort of thing in the intro section of her book, where she was like finally getting called out for needing to take some responsibility for her life. And that's what led her to get really into tarot. (laughs) Um, But it is the creative tarot by Jessa Crispin. Jessa is a writer and a publisher, and she's also the co-creator of the Spolia tarot. Was this the tarot deck that was used in the book? No. She mentioned that it was going... Oh, it's the one that's in the insert. Okay, okay, okay. So, like, the I don't have pages. the insert because oh, mine's e copy. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So she uses the regular Rider Waite Smith for like the uh, depictions for each of the sections, but then she has images from the Spolia Tarot in the insert. If you have the paperback version, okay. Um. So the publisher says this book is a hip, accessible, and practical guide for artists and creative people looking to tarot for guidance and inspiration in the tradition of the secret language of birthdays and steal like an artist, which I should have edited out because I don't know what either of those things are, but it's what the publisher Uh, says. I think I know steal like an artist. I think I've read that. Maybe creative people know, and I'm just like not creative enough for it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, right. So they also say, what if the path to creativity was not as challenging as everyone thinks? What if you could find that spark plot twist or next project by simply looking at your life and your art through a different lens? Written for novices and seasoned readers alike, the Creative Tarot is a unique guidebook that reimagines tarot cards and the ways they can boost the creative process. Jessa Crispin guides you through the intuitive world of the tarot to get those creative juices flowing again. Thought to be esoteric and mystical, tarot cards are approachable and endlessly helpful to overcoming creative blocks. Crispin offers spiritual readings of the cards practical information for the uninspired artist and a wealth of fascinating anecdotes about famous artists, including Virginia Woolf, Rembrandt and David Bowie and how they found inspiration. 
With five original tarot spreads and beautiful illustrations throughout, the Creative Tarot is an accessible, colorful guide that demystifies both the tarot and the creative process. Bam! Nailed it. Woo! You did. (laughs) I'm very impressed. But you also gave yourself the easiest paragraph we've had in like four months. (laughs) There were no long words. No long words. Everything was easy and accessible. Yeah. As they say, accessible twice in that paragraph. (laughs) They do. I'm like, oh, there it is again. So, uh, do we want to start with our general thoughts first? General thoughts? Or I guess, like, Uh, maybe even how this book came into our lives, because I've had it since 2017. Yeah, you've had it for a long time, because you've, I think you even mentioned it, like, in early episodes that we've done together. It's, like, my sixth ever Instagram post on Holly Enchanted was of this book. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, apparently, I'm an early adopter. I really liked it then. It was really interesting to go back to something that you read when you were Mm -hmm. earlier on your, sort of, tarot journey and reread it and realize how many of the things that she says are like almost word for word things that I've been telling myself and others since I started reading. Yes. Like I was like some of this stuff. Oh, this is where Holly got this. Oh, this is where Holly got this. I didn't even realize it. And then I was reading the book. (laughs) I thought it was was cute because (laughs) we we read so many things and sometimes like we don't realize where the reference comes from. So this was really cute to kind of see like, oh, Holly really loved this book so much. Yeah, I know there were a lot of things in it where I was like, this is uh, like formative text for me yeah. apparently yeah I think so yeah I, I can tell yeah, I can tell so what are your general thoughts about it I thought it was a really good book with lots of diverse resources yeah so like the at the end of like every minor and major arcana chapter for each like little individual thing Jessa would give you sort of recommendations on how to kind of delve into that um, archetype further. Yes. Which so I, think is I thought neat. the diversity was really good. Some of them were like music. So yeah, depending like classical music. music or modern music was fun. The only thing I would say is that it's a little bit dated, obviously, because like there aren't really many movies from probably like the 2000s on or like many cultural references. Yeah. So lots of them are like more like Art Nouveau movies, sorts of things yeah, like that. Sort of it's very like specific and artistic. Yeah. Which may be intentional because they think like sometimes are I feel like art historians sort of tend to think that like older stuff is more widely recognizable even though I had to google almost everything there were barely everything yeah I was like (laughs) there were barely any like recommendations that were something that I could just draw to mind (laughs) right right yeah there were there were a few things I was like oh okay I know this and then others I was like I have no idea what this art house movie is yeah yeah totally so but it's like the nice thing is is that for anyone that goes in there's going to be something for you like whether it be like photographers whether it be art like paintings anything like you're going to be seen in these recommendations so i thought that would be that was really cool and diverse yeah there's a lot of different sort of like modalities of creativity that she brings into play yeah okay so do we want to talk about kind of like how she goes through the book because i do think that i really one of the things that i really appreciated is how explicit she is about what her goal is which you know if you've listened to other book review episodes I really appreciate it when somebody is like here's what I'm doing here and then lays it out (laughs) yes yes it's very clear like from point a to point b what the purpose of this book is yeah exactly I really like that like it's it's not just even though a lot big section of it is kind of explaining the cards like the card meanings like you kind of expect in any tarot book a lot of it is focused through the lens of creativity and so that that makes the perspective really unique where like some of the things like, okay, you know, they're kind of similar to what we would read for any card. Yeah. The, the second half of the 
of what I would say the chapter would be it actually like filtering it through the lens of creativity yeah, was really and like unique. producing things rather than yeah I think that this is like also one of the ways you can tell that this is sort of a seminal book for me is the idea that every single card could have like a directive of how to move forward and that's how she frames every card when it comes right down to it yes so like yes. The, the book itself is organized based on uh, introduction the introduction like touched on a lot of stuff that we've sort of talked about sort of dispelling some um, rumors there's like a whole oh yeah section where they're sort of like frequently asked questions like is it okay to buy my own cards is tarot just telling the future and this is kind of like the first time where she really steps into the anecdote section like she talks about all the different sorts of divination that she's had done for her including yes. one that's called tyromancy which is the coagulation of cheese <laughs> I laughed so hard that. was that. so funny. Because I didn't include that, that so in our divination methodology episode that we did. I know. Like, I, well, I feel like we need to now test this divination methodology. I like, don't even know how person. to make a cheese curdle. Well, that's the fun of this experiment. <laughs> step one, learn how to make cheese. Step two, yes. learn step how to two, read cheese curds. Step three, try to make it for audio format. Yeah, exactly. Step- <laughs> <laughs> how will this even work? We're going to try it. Let's do this. All right. Come on. Okay, so anyway, then she kind of talks about sort of like the psychological components of it, sort of like how people come up with overarching symbolism, which I thought was kind of cool. I felt like the introduction was really, really strong because she just jumps in immediately with kind of like things that you should keep in mind. And she really is frameworking it 100% as not a religious thing, not a spiritual thing even. It's like purely just as inspiration. She doesn't touch on like you know, the universe or guides or spirit or any of that. It's just like the cards and this is what they're doing. Yeah. She talks about how like the symbolism comes from millennia of people assigning symbols to things. And eventually it just kind of becomes like sort of the culture to understand some symbols. You can be an atheist and use tarot. You can be a Christian and use tarot. There's a long history of writing about chance and synchronicity that has nothing to do with the gods meddling in our realm. It's like, yeah, do it. I like that it was that this is something that a first time tarot reader could pick up and like understand and connect with. Even though for us it's a bit redundant when we review all these books to read the same things over and over like about history of tarot and all this other stuff. But at the same time, like if there's a first time tarot reader and this is like, oh, creative tarot, I'm a creative person, I'm an artistic person. Them picking this up for the first time is a good book. But I actually thought that the history of tarot section in this was almost stronger than other places because it's almost taken from like an art historical perspective. Yes. So rather than just being like, you know, people say that it's this old and we know that it's not, it's actually from the medieval, blah, 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 blah. She like goes through all the most historical decks and talks about sort of variations in history like an art historian would. And I thought that that was really cool because I do think that like people can, if you're assigning, I mean, everyone who listens to this knows how much I utilize this for my own like spiritual life. But if you want to like pick it up as something that's completely not about that at all, having it Mm -hmm. be like such an art historical like perspective is really helpful if you're somebody who already cares about art a lot. Right. Anyway, but one of the last things about the introduction that I wanted to, and I don't know if you have highlighted stuff you wanted to talk about, but I really liked this section. And this was like one of the things where I was like, oh, this is exactly what I always talk about. It is uh, nothing kills creativity faster than anxiety. Worrying if you're doing things right. Worrying that no one else is going to like what you're doing. Panicking about how it's all going to turn out. And that's like both for creativity and for tarot reading. Like nothing makes you less 
intuitive. Nothing makes you less excited about the project you're working on than anxiety about whether or not you're doing things right. <laughs> I, I mean, it's Virgo. It's for the moon is in Virgo. I'm just all I'm going to say. <laughs> we can do it. We can. Yeah. The history of tarot. I really, really liked there. There was also just, I think that her writing style is really funny. And this one section and the beginning of the history of tarot section made me laugh because she's talking about how no one really knows where the word tarot comes from because the Italian word Tarocco, which is the name of the card game that it's originally like that the cards were originally used to play doesn't have any other meaning. So it's not like it means like, <laughs> you know, word from the gods or whatever. She yeah. says the word seems to have no other meaning associated with it. There is a type of blood orange called the Tarocco, but it's unlikely that the deck was developed as a way to think about citrus. And I was like, oh, Jessa, you're hilarious. <laughs> oh, you disappeared. And so she goes through all the different sort of early tarot decks, the Solabusca, Tarot de Marseille, different styles she, of that. Yeah, she even goes through like the Toth tarot yeah, and, like, like through, and the differences with RWS deck. But before that, she even talks about like the Enlightenment and the Enlightenment yes. reactionaries and the Protestant <sighs> Reformation and all of this like actual interesting historical stuff about how the art in the decks have changed. And I thought that was interesting. I never really thought about the idea of people clamping down on mysticism as being a reaction against Catholicism, but that reformation stuff kind of made a lot of sense because if you think about sort of like medieval Catholics, there was like a lot of corruption, but also a lot of mystery. And so when oh, they're yeah. kind of like rebelling against that, taking away the mysticism and the mystery behind everything would be like a huge component of it, like out of yeah. transparency, which makes sense, but maybe it went a little bit too far. Yes. Yes. Uh, then they, she talks about the golden dawn, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> That's really, that was really a nice pun. We need to talk about the Golden Dawn. <laughs> golden Because who cares about the Golden Dawn? Blah, Moving blah, on. blah. Well, I guess I just didn't really realize how short-lived it was. I mean, I know that I've read that in other places, and it was definitely oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. incorporated. It was super in the... short, for, but also very, like, impactful. Yeah, and in the Pamela Coleman-Smith book review that yeah. we did a, a year ago. When was that? Almost a year, a year ago. ago. Almost February. Year ago. Like, it was around her birthday. Yeah. It, yeah. Uh, we talk about that a little bit there, too. But I just think that it's really cool, because it's kind of like, and then even beyond the Golden Dawn, all of the impress or all of the modernist uh, artists in the 20th century. She kind of goes through that. She brings up that Dolly Tarot deck. Yes, that just came I thought out. It was really interesting. This came out again as the reprinting. Yes, I was like, do I need to buy this? It just came up in this book that I'm reading. I mean, I'm about to buy it, so I feel like I need to buy it because I really like Dolly's painting. Okay, if we both buy it, then we can expense it to Wildly Tarot. Yeah, let's do I it. I like the way you think. This is how decisions Cause it's, are Because it's like a historical deck at this yeah, point. Yeah, we basically need to own it. <laughs> I know. It's historical. We're, we just need it for our own artifacts. Yes. Thank later. you, Patreon supporters, for helping us buy this deck. Um, oh, and also she like talks about the Celtic cross in a way that finally made me actually interested in doing the Celtic cross. Yeah, I think so. Like, this is the only way that would probably consider doing it yeah I, and she talks about italo cavino which i know that our friend don brought up to us before he's a novelist who used celtic cross to kind of like map out his storylines um yes and since i've never really used it for myself i mean i have once when i was new and i was like this is way too overwhelming i kind of oh, feel yeah. a little bit more motivated to do it mm-hmm. i th i think for like well i i especially was like 
really thinking about people who are participating in like National Writing Month or yeah. people that we know who are authors. Yeah. Like this would be like this book is such a good resource for when you feel stuck or when you feel overwhelmed or things like that. So yeah. to me, like I just kept thinking of friends who are participating in that right now. I'm like, oh, like they would appreciate this part so much because I know that they're struggling with this or yeah. they would appreciate this so much. Yeah, so, totally. Definitely like a like I think especially for writers with there being so much that you can use tarot for in this creative process, yeah. it would be like super helpful to have this book. It's really helpful. Then she talks about Carl Jung and that I thought that, I don't know. I just think that the history section was really comprehensive because it really, I mean, talking about the psychological and artistic components of, of it is helpful. And it kind of sets the groundwork for how much like anecdotal information about different artists and creators is going to be incorporated into it. So one of the things that I had no idea is that Philip K. Dick used I Ching while writing Man in the High Castle. Yeah, I know. I didn't know that either. Which I've read. And then obviously now it's an Amazon Prime show in like the fourth season. We saw an ad for it yesterday and Nathan was like, what the hell is happening at this (laughs) show now? (laughs) But the first season was really cool. I just think it's really interesting like even like with I Ching being more of an Oracle deck, how you can use divination to kind of help express things yeah I think this book kind of just kind of does that over and over and over like kind of shows that really really well so and then even like the her own history with tarot thing i think was kind of, i just really like it when people incorporate those anecdotes so a lot of the negative reviews mm-hmm. that i found about this deck are people being like nobody cares about your dumb life <laughs> Maybe it's because we read so many of these books. Yeah. Like, I think that, like, the book that we last reviewed, Power of Tarot, that's going to be the more, like, objective, straightforward intro. And then we keep, we've mentioned this in a couple different book reviews. Once you have that book that's kind of, like, your initial intro, you're going to be compelled to read a bunch more. And this one would be a great, like, third book to read, especially if you're somebody who's creative. Yes, yes, definitely. And I remember when I first read this book, I didn't consider myself somebody that was creative because I'm not a writer or an artist or whatever. Mm-hmm. And in the intervening two years, I think probably because like largely because of the podcast, I was sensing a lot more like, Oh, I am creative. Like I am creating yeah. something, even if it isn't art. I mean, unless you think this is art, in which case, thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that kind of shows maybe one of the weaker points where the art is specifically for like writing painting music sort of stuff yeah where we're also creative like people can be creative in like other ways yeah but at the same time if that's not where that that's not her wheelhouse yeah. that's not where and she's comfortable with she's not gonna speak it on it pretty easily yeah but she exactly. also so said we- something in her own story with tarot that was like this is exactly the point of our deck that we made yeah which is once i had the card meanings memorized and that i didn't have to keep looking back at the manual to remind myself of what each card represented the real training began and i think mm-hmm. when we created the wildly tarot deck that was part of it i mean people can use it for whatever they want to i'm happy to i'm always oh, yeah. happy to see people use it but when we're kind of like talking about you know how everything is so flexible it could seem a little bit incongruous with having a deck yes. that's basically flashcards. but the whole idea behind it was that by giving you a way to memorize specific things really quickly, you'll be able yeah. to start using other decks for more like in more intuitive ways because you won't be like second guessing stuff all the time. Oh yeah. Which oh, I yeah. sometimes like, still do. Like for some reason, the seven of cups, I can never have it stick in my head. I always get the six of cups and six of pentacles mixed up. Yeah. And I'm like, 
Why? And we've been doing this for a long time. A long time. But there's just some, like, sometimes you just have, like, brain farts, I just say. Yeah, exactly. So, and it also kind of, like... And I don't like to want to brag on our deck by any means. I'm not that kind of person. Brag but on our deck, also, girl. Do it. <laughs> but also, you know, sometimes people feel bad for like, oh, excuse me, I'm going to look at my book really quick. And yeah. so I think our deck kind of like alleviates that stress of ha- trying to find that time to go between. And you get you familiar with the cards like right in front of you without you having to spend that one or two minutes trying to find the meaning and then trying to like get the meaning from there. It kind of just like alleviates that stress. Yeah. So that's why I like using it. Everything's there. I can kind of get all my keywords and yeah. create a story. Just like she says, like creating a story with that. Like I just really love that. Cause that's what you kind of do for your queerance that comes and like to you. Yeah. I just press. Exactly. And then she talks about, I, this was a part that I really liked because I have, I found it super helpful in my own learning process. Like when you're reading something or when you're interacting with humans in real life or whatever, or reading about somebody <laughs> thinking, I mean, like if that ever happens. <laughs> reacting uh, with humans in real life. <laughs> like <laughs> reacting with aliens and alien planets. Yeah, or whatever. But if you like think about kind of what tarot cards they're emulating or living in right at that moment, it can really help you give nuance to what's going on. So I do that with books a lot where like I'll be reading a mm-hmm. book and I'll think about like which court card the characters are and like yeah. which cards represent their story and stuff like that. And that's a really helpful way to start being able to pick up on different like variations of what all of these cards can mean. Almost. Yes. Yes. So that was nice. And I don't know if we'll get to it, but I thought the court card section was one of the strongest court card I thought sections so I've too. ever read. Yeah. So let's go through the majors first and then we'll talk yep. about court cards. Okay. Then she goes through the majors. She goes through the minors, then the court cards. The minors are all organized by number, which I always like in a book. And then she does some tarot spreads, some of which we'll want to talk about. And then how to do a reading, which made me laugh a lot. There were a couple moments where I was like, oh, that's where I got that from. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's my, this is my origin story. (laughs) My origin story. But like Esther alluded to at the beginning, each of the card sections starts with like just a literal description of the card, (laughs) like what it looks like. Then sort of a general idea of what the card means. And then some anecdotes about different creative people who have like lived those experiences and then at the very end a section of resources to look at so like Esther said a novel an album a sculpture whatever Shakespeare's in one of them yep yeah I like it Shakespeare's in a few of them I think some of the like David Bowie comes up a lot a lot yeah which makes sense I feel like a lot of creative people kind of like really have look to him yeah yeah I was gonna say what were you going to say? I was going to say, like, just have a huge, huge thing for David Bowie. Yes. That maybe I don't totally understand. I, I mean, R.I.P., R.I.P., but... I, I grew up in a cult, so I don't get David Bowie. <laughs> yeah. You have an excuse, at least. I have an like, excuse. I grew up in a cult, so I don't really have any opinion about David Bowie. <laughs> yes. But I, I'll tell you a funny little anecdote. So today, I was saw, like, Hello Kitty, but in, like, David, David Bowie, like... Oh, yeah. Eye makeup. Eye makeup Like stuff. Ziggy Stardust like, eye makeup. Yes. Yes. And so I was like, okay, this Hello Kitty, but I can't remember the dude's name. So I put, so I typed into Google Starman Tarot because I know the tarot deck better than I know his name. So- <laughs> that is hilarious and I love it. You're like, I know that his name is all over this tarot deck, but what the tarot hell is deck. his name? 
what this is name i have no idea so that's how i got to david bowie hello kitty so you can google that you're welcome that is that so picture. funny <laughs> yes but anyway she has like several pages about how she's kind of like this is how i want to organize it which i found really helpful yes. so let's is are there any of the major arcanas that really had something that you wanted to point out? I will say that I, the definitions oh, in and of themselves are nothing that's going to be super mind blowing. Yeah, there's to really nothing new. The definitions, yeah, yeah. But the applications I thought were really interesting. So I only I underlined crap from the Empress crap because I thought the Empress. Well, I mean, beautiful crap from the Empress. <laughs> you are just in a mood, Virgo. I'm telling you. <laughs> Okay, what did you underline for the Empress? So she kind of, like, of course, goes through the Empress being pregnant and representing creative fertility, blah, 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 nurturing. And then she goes into stories about Wolfgang Goeth, Von Goeth. Oh, my God. It just occurred to me that we're going to have to pronounce frickin' names in this. Who studied botany. So he's a botanist. Oh, cool. I do know how to pronounce the word botanist. Um, so he, so she'll like go through like a little story. But what I underlined was the tricky thing with the Empress is that when stressed or upside down, she can be, she can be all potential. As in, it can be a little easy to get stuck in the pregnancy part and forget to actually give birth. And if she's too easily distracted, she can be overwhelmed with one idea after another without giving enough time or focus to see any of them to completion. And yes. I'm like, this, this is me. Yeah. I, you know, where you, st- like, I think one of the pages is the same way where you, um, where they detailed that, like, you start so many projects, but you don't actually don't finish it. And I so this is like kind of where I get stuck. And I love that. Biggest problem with that. And there's like, a- oh, I just bumped my mic. <clears throat> there's like astrological <laughs> reasons for it after doing my astro chart um, with Katie. Oh, yes. Uh, There's like, you know, if you are one of the fucking, what am I trying to say? Mutable signs, maybe? No. Uh One of them is all about like the initial spark of creativity. And then if you don't Mm -hmm. have any of the follow through, that can be just like very stop right there. Yeah. I'm so, I'm such an astro noob, but I think that, I know. I mean, for me, when we were talking about my personal chart, it was like, yes, I am all about starting things. And I've been working really hard to work at being better at like follow through. And I do think that I'm getting there, but that part of the Empress card was just like, yes, 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 yes. 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 And I also uh, like, uh, so I would read through the recommendations and for like 89% of them, I was like, I have no idea what this is. But you're I not alone. No... That's not because of your upbringing. No, 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 I know, I know. But I was just like, okay, was this because I was in a cult or because like I'm a millennial or what's going on here? <laughs> is and, it the homeschooling? That... Is it just lack of <laughs> is interest? Is it homeschooling? Which one? What part of this weirdness is it? Like college, Christian college? What is it? Okay. Um. So, but I love that for the for the Empress. One of the recommendations was feeling good recording by Nina Simone because I love yeah. Nina Simone. Yeah. And, like, I just love her voice and her story. So I just like that she popped up for the Empress. I was like, I know this one. <laughs> so. Yeah. And then I also thought that the Emperor had a lot of strength in thinking about, like, how you can be really structured and really organized, but still really creative. And they bring yes, she brings up yes. C.S. Lewis as, like, kind of, he had all of the Chronicles of Narnia basically, like, plotted out before writing any of yes. them, which is why they're consistent in tone, et cetera. And I thought that that was really cool because I do feel like it can be super tempting to either be, like, 
all potential, like the empress, or all structure, right. like the emperor, without thinking about how you can kind of like combine those two things to create something really like both very well thought out, but also accomplished and like structured. Yes. And I so I liked both of those things. And the suggestion for that is the Chronicles of Narnia, which was always one of my sister's favorites. Like she's read Aww. every single one of them. She loves them so much. Aw, Katie. I know. I like that. My sweet sis. Did you like any other Archon majors? I don't. Uh, I didn't. I mean, the Hierophant I liked just because it talks okay. about how the goal of the Hierophant is to make us more balanced and compassionate and enlightened, which I thought was kind of a nice view of the Hierophant. Maybe too generous, yes. but. Yes. lovers what about Being the lovers generous. so the lovers i thought was just really interesting she's like we should hate the lovers basically <laughs> like <laughs> i know i wrote i love this terrifying lovers interpretation <laughs> i know i know i was like wow it's like really intense but i like that she called back to like the story of eros and how people don't want to be like put with an yeah. arrow like shot by an arrow an arrow by eros there we go yeah there you go you got eros. it you nailed it okay Thank you. That was I really difficult. I was, tr- I was thinking like listener. really. <laughs> my my expression like, was spelling arrow. She was like the arrow, kombucha meme girl. Where you're yeah. like, huh? Did I do that correctly? <laughs> um, so because like you know if if arrows hit like you with an arrow and then hit the cow like you would fall in love with the cow and how no one yeah. likes that chaos. God, that was and such so a funny um, line. Did you? Did I you know want to read that hilarious. line. Okay. Uh, all it took was one prick of his arrow and suddenly you were in love with a cow telling all of your friends not to judge you. Quote, you don't know this cow like I know this cow. This cow and I are in love. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that. That was so, so, so good. Uh, but yeah, arrows and, could completely and, upend your life. He's such an asshole. So I underlined, in our creative context, the lovers is a calling. You've been pricked by an arrow and now you are totally derailed. It's that yeah. moment of realization. Oh God, I'm a poet. I'm an artist. I'm a fashion designer, whatever. And now you have to spend the rest of your life pursuing that identity re- relentlessly. And I'm like, is this tarot for us? Is this how we even pricked by Eros' tarot for tarot? Eros' tarot for tarot? Wait, arrow for tarot. <laughs> <laughs> Eris's Arrow for Tarot is the new name of my band. Uh, slash religion. Maybe that's the name of our slash cult. Slash religion. The cult. It's a new cult. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe. Really I mean, I do think that there's like a component where once you develop sort of some sort of creative outlet identity, you do feel like you sort of need to like continue in that realm. Yeah. Hopefully it's less, true. less scary than this makes it sound, though, because she was not. Yeah. I mean, hopefully we haven't been, you know, hit by an arrow like in the other arrow goes to a cow. I mean, hopefully I mean, it's not cows our cow. are beautiful and I'm fine with that. I completely I love am cool cows. with it. But yeah, no, I, I could see that. I could see the that like sort of once you have an idea of what you want to do, then that kind of becomes sort of all encompassing, which yes. and the, her point about that is that it can cause cre- like a ton of burnout because yes. you're feeling so compelled to follow this one specific thing. And that's all of my major arcanas. So if you have anything else, go for it. What other major arcanas did I want to talk about? Oh, in the Wheel of Fortune, I really, really liked that she clarifies that contemplating the difference between free will and fate, but specifies that fate to her oh, doesn't yes, I mean like, like that. what, you know, what's preordained, but more just like what we don't have any control over. So the examples that she uses are like things that we can't force. So demands on time, 
circumstances like your financial financial situation or home life or something that's just non-negotiable and trying to like figure out creative ways to move through those non-negotiable things. And she says, all you have today is 50 cents and orange and some pencils. What can you do with that? Today you have 40 minutes between coming home from work and the moment your children return from school. What can you do with that? And it's kind of like, I like that idea of not thinking about the wheel of fortune as being like cosmic fate. What am I meant to do necessarily when it comes up in a reading, Mm -hmm. but more just like, where is there an area that I don't have any control and how can I sort of like implement control in that area? Almost. That was really nice. I like did like that. I just didn't underline it. (laughs) Then did you really like it? (laughs) Yes. This wasn't my favorite. Don't question me. I can't handle it today. Please. please. Night Speeds Fargo season. Not today, Holly. (laughs) (laughs) Any day but today. Oh, I did a lot of temperance. Okay, so one of the things that I noticed, there's like two different cards where she talks about the person being a hermaphrodite. Yes. The world and temperance. Yeah. So the temperance is where I got to that. I don't know what I didn't think the world was. I I feel like the world is pretty. I mean. The the th- problem with the word hermaphrodite is that that is about, like, physical characteristics yes. rather than, like, gender expression. And so the, te- like, yes. the temperance card, how do you know that that's a hermaphrodite? They're fully clothed. Right. I don't, I, yeah, I don't know if maybe it's, like, a historical thing. I don't know. I know. It was I never was explained. Like, it was just stated. Because maybe they're using, or maybe, maybe like, I don't know, freaking Arthur Wayne used that, that word to mean like androgynous, like an androgynous yeah. person, not a hermaphrodite. Because a hermaphrodite is referring to specific genitalia configuration. Yeah. Not it's not just like, like gender fluidity. Yeah. yeah. So that was kind of like a criticism, but it doesn't come up a lot. Like it's not coming up enough that it feels like transphobic to me, but also as a, I'm a cis woman. So maybe yeah. I was just like, that word has a different meaning than I think what you think it does. Like it's not androgyny. Yeah. It's it was like... just kind of awkward. And I don't want to say unnecessary because I think sometimes it's necessary to have these conversations, but it was just awkward the way that it was placed in the conversation. It wasn't like expounded on. Yeah. So the, the hermaphrodite thing comes up a lot with temperance and the whole idea is sort of that androgyny, but that's why I think that androgyny would be a better, better word, word for it because yeah. the androgyny of temperance and kind of like creating balance and taking the light and the dark and blah, 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 like creating something new. All of that is something that I can see with temperance, but I think androgyny is the better word to describe what yes. they're talking about or like fluidity, yes. androgyny and fluidity rather than hermaphrodite. Yes. But I think that that's yes. because it's go- it's trying to bring up the Greek and Roman like Hermes and Aphrodite offspring story to like kind of correspond with what temperance is about. And that's where the word hermaphrodite comes from. Right. But anyway, yeah. So you know that I have temperance feelings. So I always want to bring that up because then they do talk about like really, really androgynous gender fluid artists and that and like surrealism and stuff like that. So, all right. Do you have any feelings about the devil? No, um, I remember reading it, but no, not really any feelings. <laughs> oh, I have an anecdote about the tower. Oh, tell me this anecdote about the tower. So my friend has been getting the tower constantly in every single oh. reading. And she's like going through some upheaval in her life. And so it makes a lot of sense right. that the tower would come up for her over and over and over again. But yes. one of the recommended materials is The Sun Also Rises by Ernest Hemingway which is a Uh book that she recently read and now has been like super into trying to force me to drink brandy. (laughs) But anyway, I just thought it was like such a coincidence that this card comes up for her a lot. And this book is something that she just was like naturally drawn to. I did like where they talked about in little women where she just 
th- where Joe throws this book in the fire to start over. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. Yes, I can feel that fury. I love that. You know, like that's <laughs> like it's just like cutting your hair off. I was literally like- just going to say it's like the dramatic haircut thing that you and I both <laughs> love doing, where we like grow our hair all the grow way out, and then we're like, and then just chop it off, chop it totally off. Dear listener, you have no, you do not know how many times I've had to stop Holly from cutting bangs. Oh, constantly. I constantly love a every time moment. Like every month, around the same time that you're the like the waning moon comes and you're not supposed to cut your bangs because then your bangs grow back slower. <laughs> like it's that same time every month. She's like, I think we cut bangs. I'm like, no, no, stop no, it. The stop down. it, stop it, stop it. I think Been it's back. probably yeah. It's like a wanting more control over your life thing more yeah. than anything. Oh, okay. But it is okay. exhausting and constant. Yes, it is. And my sister's always like, "Will you stop it?" <laughs> I haven't actually cut them in a while, but I did chop off all of my all of my hair, not just bangs. Yeah, which also feels you did. good. And when I say I chopped it off, I really do mean me, like with scissors in my bathroom. Yes, she does. Like, I do. She does, and I'm horrified. I'm just like, "What? What are you doing to your? What are you doing to your hair?" <laughs> I need the doing? drama. All right, so I think that I'm ready to move on to the ma- the minors, unless you have anything minors. else to talk about the majors. I don't have any more majors. We're good. Okay, so at the beginning of each segment, I thought that this was really effective. There's like a page and a half-ish about what that number represents, and then there's like a half page of a one-sentence like creative definition of that card. Yes. And then she goes into each individually and follows the same format as the major arcanas. But the reason that I really liked that is that sometimes... You need to go into more depth, especially if you're pulling Mm -hmm. cards for like a creative project. You want to sort of read more about it. But sometimes just these short sentences are enough to kind of like spark some shit. Yes, yes. And in some areas, I think the fours and fives specifically, I really, really, really loved the differentiation during the short sentence section of the area. I like them. Oh, I also think the two... So I didn't really underline very much in the Aces section. It's all just fairly basic. Yeah, the Ace was very... Yeah. I do like the Ace of cut or Ace of Swords, a new idea or philosophy that helps you find clarity and cut through any tangles. The Ace of Cups, a new emotional connection or source of inspiration. Ace of Wands, a kind of holy fire, a new source of passion. Ace of Coins, a seed for something to turn into something real, something tangible that exists in the world. That was all fine. The twos seemed a little bit scattered, but I guess twos are always kind of scattered to me. Yeah, I think I think the twos, I think they have the most contrast between all of them. Yeah, just because the two of cups is so positive, and the two of wands seems positive too. Two of swords has been positive in my life, and yeah. two of coins just doesn't seem, like, upheaval doesn't really feel that accurate for the two of coins. So mm-hmm. the twos were maybe not the high point of the minor arcana to me. But I did like that because of that sort of like instability of the twos, there's more room to talk about the stability of the threes. Yes. Did you have any threes that you wanted to talk about? I had underlined um, kind of the beginning paragraph in the three of swords. Okay. A heart is pierced by swords and yet there is no, no gushing of blood that suggests the swords have been there for a long time. The injury is an old one. Also note the lack of a human figure on the card in most versions. It's almost an impersonal pain, something that has been there so long. It's all but become abstract to the person who is suffering. I like like that. I never thought about the three of swords being an old wound. I know I didn't need, I didn't either, but that was like a, like, cause we always draw it. Like when there's pain, that's obvious when there's pain, that's there. But many times it, does expose expose pain from the past that needs to be dealt with pain but that's so this already was like really been there that's like been there for a while and now it's just being exposed 
Yeah, yeah. That's really strong. I like that a lot. And I had no idea what any of the recommendations were other than Jane Eyre. So I loved that book so much as a teen. And I'm almost wondering if I should reread it because now people are like, they're like every single character is just bonkers. But I thought it was so (laughs) romantic as a 16 year old. I know I did too. Yeah. It was one of those stories. And now it's like, well, Rochester put his wife in the attic. Spoiler alert. Sorry. His wife is in the air attic. If you didn't read Jane Hare. (laughs) No. Yeah, exactly. Uh, That book came out 150 years ago. If people have not read it and are like, what? His wife is (laughs) in an attic. If you haven't seen any of the movie adaptations either, his wife is in the attic and she was in love with him. She almost married him. (laughs) So yeah, that was all I had from the three of swords. I loved it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought that was really great. And then the fours are where I wrote this is the strongest so far because I think that it does a really good job of pairing the traditional meaning with the creativity, like, moving forward. Like, I guess, thesis that she has. Yes. Because there is, like, components of, especially the four of cups, like, you're so concerned with maintaining order that you're willfully ignoring a new source of inspiration. I thought that was a really cool way to pair the creativity um, with the traditional Four of Cups. Oh, but also the Four of Swords had this part that felt really, really, really... It kind of maybe is a little bit similar to the Lovers in that it says, we have this myth of the creator as a superhuman beast that in order to be a real writer or artist, you must push past your limits. You must drive everyone around you crazy. You must work so hard that you end up in a mental institution or dead from a heart attack before you turn 50. If you ignore sort of like the casually ableist overtones of Mm -hmm. (laughs) being told that you're going to drive yourself crazy, I do feel like artists sort of feel like if it's not painful, it's not valuable or valid. And so I think that that Four of Swords makes a lot of sense. It's just saying like, if you feel that way, then you're going to get the Four of Swords. You're going to feel so overwhelmed. One of my favorite chapters is next. Did you love the Four of Cups or what? No, I, I didn't mean the Four of Cups. I meant the Four of Wands. The Four of Wands. Oh, did I skip one? Was totally? my favorite. <laughs> Tell me about the Four of Wands. Well, I love the Four of Wands because, of course, like I wasn't actually expecting because I was like, okay, Esther, st- stop being like your typical self and like loving the Four of Wands and Three of Cups stuff. Like, stuff like <laughs> that. But I got to this chapter and I adored this chapter, actually, because, of course, like we always think the Four of Wands is like as a party. I'm like, okay, so creatively, okay, throw party. Thanks. Like, that's going to be like creative. But. I loved that she writes, the four of wands indicates that you need to find a new space or at the very least make some changes to your workspace so that it becomes more stimulating and more supportive. And I was I like, I thought that was so cool. I, thought, I loved it. And then I also continue underlining. However, sometimes we're at fault, interrupting a productive period of concentration to just see that email that just came in, only to find ourselves two hours later in the middle of an online game we hate. <laughs> and I felt like that was a really good <laughs> contrast with the four of cups. Because one of the things in the Four of Cups is that you're almost finished and you're, like, avoiding that cup because it's going to throw a wrench in your plan. And then the Four of Wands is like, you need to throw a wrench in your plan. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. And then I think the final thing I underlined in the chapter was, the Four of Wands is the ideal, a place that is orderly but is still inspiring. It implies a need for beauty as well as a need for community. And I was just like, oh. Same. So, and she also mentions Vivian Mayer as, like, one of the anecdotes. Who's the – I think she was the woman who was, like, a nanny for some um, students. And she just took pictures of herself in New York. And people found her – 
photography like later in like a in an auction somewhere like a random auction like he developed the film and he made this whole like documentary based on her photography it's like gorgeous huh. photography she's like a completely unknown photographer yeah i don't she's, know like, anything about dead that and gone. yeah so her name is vivian mayer i believe m-a-i-e-r and there's like discovering vivian i think maybe the documentary about oh, her cool. but anyway she, it was like gorgeous photography of the streets of new york like in the, that era like it was Gorgeous. So that anyway, I was like awesome. excited that I knew actually knew an You're art like, reference. Oh, I, I like, have I a frame this. of reference for this. Uh-huh. So yes, I did. I love that too. Uh, okay, so the fives I also thought was really strong because there's often conflict in a creative process, and I just think that it's nice to sort of like again, like I said earlier, it sort of feels like the way that we, you and I, are always kind of prone to saying like, okay, well, what's next? The five, yes. all of her fives are like when you get this conflict, when you get this frustration, when you get this whatever the thing that you should be thinking about is how to move forward rather than kind of getting stuck in that quagmire. Yes. The fives are really interesting. I did like the fives. And now I feel like I need to watch that Don Quixote, um, lost in La Mancha documentary about the making of Don Quixote because it was apparently really, really bad. Yeah. Almost impossible for them to create. (laughs) Impossible to make. Oh, the five of swords. I really like the, and this is kind of where the, uh, the lost in La Mancha documentary comes into play. The Five of Swords, thinking about the Five of Swords is as engaging in a fight that you know you can't win was something that I've mm-hmm. never considered with the Five of Swords. Yeah. But I kind of like the futility of the conflict almost, like adding yes. additional futility, like maybe redirect your energy elsewhere because this mm-hmm. isn't a fight you're yes. going to win. Why are you spending so much time on it? I like that kind of finality of it because sometimes the Five of Swords were like, oh, what about these swords? What are we going to do? But yeah, yeah like laying down your like, sword and yeah. doing something else productive. Um, I think that's basically all I had for the fives. It's like, it's, it's okay. good. I think that those more negative cards are really aided by considering it through a creative lens. Yes. So for all of them, there was like a little component of like, oh, maybe if I just look at it that way, it won't feel so like, oh my God, the freaking five of wands again or whatever. I like the perspective perspective. Yeah. So in the sixes, she talks about how like they're, they're very excited, um, like sort of like I broke through a block sort of cards, but you have to keep in mind the block that existed before. So you don't kind of like yes. go from the five to the six and then back to the five. That was a nice thing. Like she referred back, even though they were grouped by like their numerical number, she always referred back to the one before it in the story. So that was nice. Like as you keep progressing, she's like, well, in the tens, the nine, we came from the nine in this yeah. journey. And we're now we're here at the ten. So That was really nice. I have a note for myself at the beginning of the seventh chapter that I cannot read. Oh. I think it might say, oh, it says, whoa. That's helpful, Holly. Thank you for that. That's very helpful. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, when was this made? Was this made when you first got the book or recently? No, recently. So the seven, for the seven of swords, the little like one line thing is, if someone will not give us what we want, we might feel forced to take it. And I like that seven of wands because I like the idea of you feeling like there's no other option. So even though we talk about like the seven of wands being about collecting other information, sometimes. Oh, seven of swords. Oh, yeah, that's what I meant. saying seven of wands. Yeah. And I meant seven of swords this whole time in case I've been saying seven of wands this whole time. I meant seven of swords. (laughs) Yeah. I think it was just the past sentence. Okay. The seven of swords. We always think about it as like information gathering, but I also really like the idea of it being like a misplaced assumption that you need to be more grabby of those swords yes like feeling as though you have to rather than like the actual situation at hand i liked that a lot oh the only seven that i wanted to talk about was the seven of coins oh yes because she talks about 
Mastering the Art of French Cooking, the Julia Child cookbook. Oh, yes. Because the whole idea is that, like, it's worth the wait. Like, that's kind of her thesis for the Seven of of Pentacles. And I wanted to ask you, Esther, if you have ever found the YouTube video that's uh, Julie and Julia cut to only be the Julia Child sections. No. It is so good. I mean, nothing against Amy Adams, but somebody went through the whole entire movie and cut all of her scenes out. So it's just a movie (laughs) about Julia Julia Child. It is so good. I fucking love her. Okay, I'll have to look at it. Because, like, because I I have seen the movie, like, one time because I love Meryl Streep. But just, like, you see it once, you're finished. Like, Yeah, I mean, I care less about the, like, 9-11 responder call thing that she had. Like, the reason that she that Julie starts going through Julia Child's books is because work is really stressful, mm-hmm. basically. And I think she goes through a breakup or her relationship yeah, is Yeah, I think like a breakup or divorce or something, yeah. Because I've only ever seen Julia and Julia, like, maybe once, but I've watched the Julia section, like, five times, six times. I love okay, it I'll so much. It. Okay. But it is I'll, true, I'll like, the whole it. thing about that. And I liked the incorporation of a cookbook into it, too, because that's something that I feel like maybe this is, like, way too Taurus of me. Like, seems really relatable. <laughs> like, the idea of yeah. incorporating something where you have to do all these incremental things. You're doing it right, which means mm-hmm. waiting. I really liked that interpretation yes. of the Seven of Pentacles. Yes, I did, too. Yeah, I like that as well. And cooking is very creative outlet. Like, I mean, there's nailed it. How much more creative can you get yeah, than nailed it? Exactly. Or any of the Bon Appetit stuff. Like there's two different yeah. Bon Appetit YouTube hosts that both do things where it's like like almost impossible for them to accomplish it fully, but they're so creative <laughs> and so wonderful about it. It's Chris Morocco. He does one where he has to like he tastes like a celebrity recipe and then has to recreate it based on taste and feel alone. Like he doesn't get to see what it looks like. But he's a super taster, so he can like differentiate like individual ingredients i hate him he's incredible and then the other one is uh claire saffitz does one called gourmet makes and she recreates like junk food but in gourmet ways oh yes i've seen her they keep recommending her channel to me you should watch it girl you love it because like gourmet pop tarts she's the best because she the whole time she's like i'm not going to be able to do this and everyone around her is like you can do it claire and she's like there's always like a day three moment where she's just like not even looking at the camera she's just like staring at the ground like i don't know no, I don't know. And she's just like, like but she always ends up being successful and it's such a like wonderful yeah. 40 minutes of time. Okay. Cause I was like, I was like, you really want me to watch someone else recreate an Oreo? Okay. It's so that wor- That's actually sense. a really great episode okay. because she's like, I want to make sure that the cookie looks right. So she like creates a mold. <laughs> she's just, it's just really oh fun. My it's way less like, like tasty, like the short videos right, without right, sound yeah, and yeah, way yeah. more like these people are people that you really care about and you want them to succeed. <laughs> I'll do that during lunchtime tomorrow. I wonder which Just one. The, I watch cooking one. shows during lunch. Like, yeah, same. Um, to come dine with me, like the English TV show. Oh, I've never like, saw, seen go, that one. Oh yeah. Yeah. So it's like we're three couple or well, like sometimes three, four people, they'll, they'll make a dinner and other people come to their house and have to judge the dinner and get oh, points fun. to the dinner. There was a, ver- a variation of that that we watched a ton of when we were in Scotland with my sister two years ago because she, both of us got a cold like the last two, the last day. So the last full day, yeah. we were basically out for the count. We like went 
to go see Greyfire's graveyard. And then we just watched TV for the rest of the day because we both had such bad colds. And there was a show where it was kind of like that, but dating. Oh, okay. A guy, like three guys would make meals for the girl and then she'd choose which one she wanted to go on a second date with based on what the meal they made for her was. Oh, and it was really fun too. No, it's just everyone that's like from the same city and they'll all choose different meals to make and Aww. people like judge them, prejudge them based on the menu. That's actually really hilarious. That's so, so cute that's and good natured. Have you seen, have I, I forced you to watch Lords and Ladles yet though? That's on Netflix. Yes, I did watch Lords and Ladles. Oh, thank you. I'm obsessed. <laughs> I'm very angry they've not gone to my ancestral home yet, but maybe someday they'll go to Kilkenny Castle and create recreate a meal. I'm just that's waiting for too that big and well known. I don't think that they would. All the castles that they choose are like, you know, small family small. castles. Like Kilkenny is small. too huge. Small yeah, small, huge air quotes, in quotation marks. I think Kilkenny's too. <laughs> Kilkenny has like too established of a reputation for them to need lords and ladles to come do an episode there. Maybe they'll do like a whole banquet where all three chefs. Like, make something. Oh, I love it so much. Maybe I'll rewatch that I do this too. week. Anyway, yeah, uh, where were we talking about eights? Yeah, that's what we were doing. Oh, so in the Eight of Swords thing, I really freaking love the additional emphasis on you have to either choose to save yourself in the Eight of Swords or just freaking yes. give up. Like, staying in the stasis of being like, I don't know yes. what to do. It's just not going to work as a creative person. So you either have to... Be innovative, be innovative and find a way out of it or just say, never mind, I'm not doing this anymore. But either way, you have to step out of that circle. So it's either empowered or as a fa- as a failure. I'm using air quotes for that. But like right, saying right. like, well, then fine, I'm just not going to do it. Like, but either yeah. way, you have to step out of the circle. I like that a lot. And the story about Jackson Pollock's wife, Lee Krasner. Yeah, that, that was cool. His wife? Wait, yeah, no. she was married to them. him, yeah. Was it? When she married the most Oh, yeah, she was married. Oh, yeah, yeah, Pollock. yeah. Yeah. God, so I really like that because... That poor woman. Oh, my gosh. She was just destroying her shit left and right. Zelda Fitzgerald came up later, too. Like, how many women have supported men and they've taken ideals from them or they felt, like, less than creatively because they've had such creative husbands? Like, I love, like, that, those voices kind of being in this F. book. Scott Fitzgerald is garbage. Yeah, he is. I mean, mostly because how, like, (laughs) I just get very defensive of Zelda. Oh, yes. Oh, but cool. So I just pulled up the piece of art, the Lee Krasner recommended materials, Bird Talk. So what she ended up doing, she was like obsessively destroying her own artwork. And then she realized that doing some sort of like collage style thing would be cooler, basically. So this, hold on, I want to show you this because it's really pretty. This is the piece of art that they ended up, that Lee Krasner ended up creating. I'm going to show it to you upside down because of my stupid camera. Isn't that cool? Oh. And it's all like chunks of other art sort of like basically pasted together, I guess. So that was cool. I really liked that too. I can't imagine. I just feel like, yeah, being married to a super creative person who you feel like you're never going to be able to meet the (laughs) level of would be crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It would be so hard. Uh, okay. In the nines, her focus is on how no one can save you and you have to be in charge of it yourself, which I really liked. Like for all of them, it's kind of like you need to, even for the cups, like you, no one's there for you. You, You're sort of alone in this. Like you've gotten a lot, but you need to, you've gotten a lot for all of them. You've gotten to this like kind of point where you have to be in charge of stuff. Yes. So I really liked that. 
to the Thames. I did like that the Eight of Wands was more like think about like what other people's contributions, like get inspiration from other people. It wasn't just like so self-focused. So I yeah. Like yeah, totally. Like see, and I think that people, when people say like the eight of wands is about inspiration or whatever, that's kind of a component of it. Mm-hmm. All right. I want to talk about the minor or the court cards. Cause I think that we okay. should. Yeah. I do want to say that I love that. Ten of Cups is hef- happily ever after, mm-hmm. and that's what it's going to mean to, mean to me from now on. I'm just going to think think H E A for Ten H-E-A. of Cups from now on. You're welcome, everybody. <laughs> it's the romance card. Yes, the romance for happily ever after. I just liked all of the court cards because there was really good like differentiation between everything. That makes any sense. Well, and also, so that plus when we t- when we reviewed Ethany's book about like assigning people to court cards to help you keep track of it i felt like this was also really helpful in that same way because it's giving you specific artistic moments to associate with each court card which i also find really helpful because like one of the things that we i don't remember if you ended up cutting this or not from the ethany episode but we were talking about how like martha stewart was like the somebody like some attached to one of the court cards and but it's like martha stewart has had like four different variations of personality because she started as like (laughs) Susie homemaker and then she went to prison Mm -hmm. and then she became like really funny and like friends with snoop dog and it's like well which variation (laughs) are we talking about and so i almost feel like this part where it's like anecdotes about artists moments makes it even more narrowed down to help you kind of like framework some of that stuff in your brain and i liked that it wasn't as gendered as like where for queens we have males that encompass queen moments yeah totally sense absolutely where you know we're we're not like just talking about like oh she's you know the queen is passive blah blah it's it's like actually taking i don't want to say it doesn't necessarily remove gender it just like just takes those moments and captures those moments for you yeah it's more flexible so the pages kind of being the spark of inspiration sort of the enthusiasm is followed by the knights being basically burnouts which i really like yes i thought was really funny i think it's always helpful to think about the knights as being burnouts or having potential for burnouts Yes, and I like that the Knight of Swords was, like, he's always pointing and throwing, like, word swords at you, basically. Like, he's really, like, whether it's for, on one side, you can be, like, really, like, powerful voice, or on the other side, you can be for Nazis. Yeah. Like, you know, no, either way that Knight That was the most can... hilarious <laughs> that was thing. So okay, so the quote is, when Ermgard Kuhn found out that her books had been banned by the Nazis, she decided that there was only one thing she could do, so she sued for lost income. Like, all right, girl, (laughs) I'm into that. Yes. And I love that um, it says that she doesn't try to reason with the dragon or plan for a dragon-free future. She slays a dragon because there is a dragon. It is that simple. I'm like, that's me. Like, I can, I know that's like me whenever I see something wrong online. I feel like we're going to slay this dragon. No one, we're not going to talk about the dragon. We're just going to slay it right here. I really liked that too. And I had (laughs) no idea. I didn't know anything about that woman and I'm into her. I know. It was amazing. She's so cool. <laughs> so, so cool. And so, of course, so that's kind of the way that it goes. Like, she's mentioned as the anecdote, so one of the recommended materials is a book that she wrote. The Knight of Cups made me laugh. In every group of knights, there's always yes. going to be one guy who's more interested in wooing maidens than in fighting wars, and that guy would be the Knight of Cups. <laughs> was that the one that was... No, Casanova happened to be the one for the Queen of Wands. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Very passionate. Yeah, I thought that was hilarious. Hysterical. Yeah, that was really great. Um, I guess, were there any other knights that I wanted to talk about? Oh, the physicality of the Knight of of Pentacles, really. 
was interesting. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, because yeah. I think that we tend to go so much into the job and work stuff that we don't think about, like, is my body ready for this? Like, am I taking right. care of myself? Am I, like, making sure that I still drink a lot of water even though I'm really busy or whatever? And I like that right. component of, like... Because usually we think of, like, the sexy night as a night of cups. But this was like, no, like, the night of co- coins is kind of like the more earthy, sensual, sexual one. And I thought... Because I usually think of the night of coins as, like, the slowest moving one. Yeah. Kind of like little dopey. Oh, really? I always think of them as just being very careful, like overly careful. No, I just think of him as just like, I really don't want to do it. I'm kind of apathetic. Oh, how of. funny. So I just thought it was really interesting, like bodily sex. Like he was a bit sexy. I was like, oh, this is really interesting. That it's a sexy <laughs> coin. Like he's a sexy knight. Okay. I liked the line. Do you take care of your body so that you have the stamina to stay committed to a long-term project? Or are you on a gummy bear and iced coffee sugar high? <laughs> I mean, I ate gummy bears yesterday, so just answer your <laughs> You're question. You're like, maybe. Um, yeah. Okay, and the queens, the queen of swords I thought was really cool. The idea of the queen yes. of swords having to sort of like separate herself mm-hmm. in order to be objective. And that was a photographer like sort of reference. Yes. I thought that was really cool. Queen of Wands is very sexy. I thought the Queen of Wands. I just, it being Casanova made me laugh. I just thought that was the best I reference. always forget that he's a real person. Yeah, I do too. I always... <laughs> Oops. That that's that all the Casanova stuff is based on his own self-reported like yeah I know that's what I, was I was like well can we really believe his self-reported sexcapades yeah but, seriously I mean, like nobody nobody can trust you Ben but I like that it was like be the flame and not the moth like be the flame I was a little bit flame. bummed about the Queen of Pentacles being such Why? a stick in the mud oh well you're grounded <laughs> I was like I'm not I am I'm not, not grounded. I'm not muddy. <laughs> no, How I'm grounded. I'm just not a stick in the mud, I don't think. Maybe me saying no. I'm not a stick in the mud, though, confirms be being stick a stick in the mud. In the mud. <laughs> it's not It's not supposed to be. It's supposed to be like this. Yeah, exactly. But I just, I did like that it was like, it went back to ballet and like a different side of creativity, like dance, because there's not many dance references in this yeah. book at all as like a creative outlet. So I, I did like that. There's a couple, but not many. Yeah, there's not many. There's, yeah. All right. Did you have any thoughts about any kings? I think that I'm kind of. I don't remember any kings like popping out other than that I like the use of like, again, females in the role of kings and that sort yeah. of thing. Like it wasn't, it wasn't just designated as kings are men and queens are women. Yeah, so totally. I did like that. All right, so on to the spreads. I loved this section. Yes, I did like the spreads a lot. I, the spreads made me really happy because she kind of taught, like, so some of them have specific numbers and some of them are really free-flowing. And I really like yes. that because I think that it's adaptable. I could tell you got your free-flowing ways from this book <laughs> because she was like, just ask, ask the question and then flip three cards. I was like, oh, Collie would flip five, but this is where she got it. <laughs> So the cool thing about this section also is that she gives the spread and then she gives an like and explains all the positions and here's how like what you're looking for in this area. Here's some additional clarification in this area for each of the cards. Mm -hmm. And then she does a sample spread with cards selected and kind of shows how they would all work together. And I always think that that's helpful. Yeah, I always like it when people give examples of spreads. Because as a beginner reader, it always helped me. And as a, I would say, a less beginner reader than I used to be. Um, that was a very like weird way to put no, that. but so I know exactly like, what you mean. Disc. Yeah, but so as like a less beginner now, it's still nice to see that perspective because yeah. like the way that cards interact together, it's just like, helpful. It's so interesting. Yeah. yeah. So the first spread is just a three card spread. I I liked a lot of them. I think that a lot of them yes. had a lot of strength. 
the ch- checking your direction, I think is a good like checking point in a pro in a project. Cause it's like you at the beginning of the project, the project, when you began it, a transition mm-hmm. that you went through, you now the project, now a transition that you're going to go through you at the end of the project and what the project looks like, looks like when it's concluded. Yes. I thought that was really cool. Yes. I but the that. one that I loved the most was the last one mentioned, which is bringing your project into the world. And I yes, that was my favorite too. Like, and I'm I'm gonna go out on a limb, Jenny. If you're listening, I'm lumping you into this um, because you worked with us really closely when you were about to launch all of the stuff for Le Beaumont, and so we kind of like walked through that with you. And so I feel like that's basically my experience between us and our deck, and yes. Jenny and her deck. There's like a moment where you're like, okay, now what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, I had this idea, I finished my project, but how am I supposed to bring it into the world? And so the positions for this are your project, who to ask for help, what steps you need to make, how how you should present your project, the best home for the project, and your audience. And so this is going to be one that Esther and I do for ourselves for a new project we have. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. But we don't have time to do it now, so we shan't. No. Yes, we will wait. <laughs> okay, and then now we're on to the last section, the how to do a reading. And this is the part that made me laugh the most and also made me think of myself the most in terms of like me just basically quoting a lot of what she says. She says, yep. the very first sentence is, first, you'll need a large crystal of smoky quartz and some sage for smudging. Smudging. Kidding. I'm only kidding. If you're the type of person that needs a ritualistic setting to really focus, then go for it. But it's not required. You don't need the whole witchy apparatus if the witchy apparatus does not speak to you, which yep. I kind of wish she'd said something about smudging, like the word smudging, but we've already talked right. about that a lot, but I did think it was so funny to start with being like, here's what you have to do. JK. Do. There's no rules, <laughs> but she does say like, this is not uh like find somewhere calm to sit. Don't like, maybe don't do it in a crowded bar. Although some people are fine yeah. with it. The knowledge will help you deal with pulling dark cards or maybe getting answers you don't like. If you're too invested in the answers, it's easy to dismiss anything that feels difficult, even if it's something that you do really need to hear. So be open, be flexible, and then anoint yourself with rosemary oil. Just kidding. <laughs> then pull some cards and let's see how to figure out what they're saying. <laughs> just kidding. Not really. Just, just kidding. kidding. <laughs> and then she kind of talks about the importance of journaling, which we've talked about. I'm super yes. bad at. Yes. Same. Very but bad. if your version of journaling is like mine and it just actually is posting stuff on Instagram, that's fine. As long as you're making that's it fine. so that at the you're end of the day you can it. say, oh, right, that's the card that I pulled. Yes. Um, and then she talks about finding patterns and spreads, like if there's mm-hmm. a lot of coins or whatever. Um, and yeah, then some just some tips on reading for people. The conclusion kind of being like, this is a really good way to direct some of your energy and to find solutions to your questions and, you know, like overcoming doubt and stuff. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I guess that's all I really underlined. Do you have any other thoughts? Yeah, not really just because it, it just like wraps it up. Like it's like, it opens up like in a beginner way, it goes to like the creative process and then it wraps it up in a beginner way. Yeah, totally. Um, Okay, so I'm looking. So the pros of the book are what you just said. It's very, very beginner friendly. I think that if you are somebody who considers yourself creative or even just wants to be more creative, it has a lot of really helpful things to be sort of thinking about the cards in that sort of way. 
I read this in 2017 and then obviously again now. So it's been two full years and I feel like I liked it a lot then and I kind of like it even more now. Uh-huh. So I guess my thing is like if there was a book that you read and was really important to you when you first started reading tarot, revisit it. If it's been a yeah. year or even less than a year, just like see where you still fit with it if you haven't like sat with it for a while because I think that mm-hmm. it's kind of cool to see how your experience of a book can change with more time. Yes. Yes. I really, really like her writing style. It's super casual. It's very, very approachable. It doesn't feel academic at all. Even when she's talking about hardcore art history, it feels like almost like sitting with somebody who's like telling you fun stories about some, like almost like, okay, as an undergrad, when you go to meet with a TA and they're so like that much level of like, more involved with the subject at hand and they want to tell you like these cool things about faculty members or whatever. Like it feels like kind of like you're getting insight into some cool world that you're not super connected to. I think the cons would be, like I said, that people, most of the negative reviews I see is just that the card meanings aren't revolutionary. But to me, it's not about the card readings. I'm not really sure why you'd pick this up thinking it was going to be a definitive list of card meanings. You could get like free meanings from Biddy Tarot. That's not what the book is for. The book is for like like, breaking you free from your creative like blocks that you're having or kind of like funneling that creative nest through tarot and using tarot with that. So... To me, it's like, okay, well, a lot of pe- a lot of tarot writers who write about tarot use themselves in the book. What else is new? Like, yeah. can we complain about something else? I know. I like, think the pa- I'm- Anthony talks about her experiences. Yeah. is that talks about her want? experience. I don't understand yeah. why people complain about that on reviews. It feels no. like, to me, I mean, that's just, what I want. Just herbs it if you don't want to. Want, you yeah. know, if you don't want to read it, <laughs> exactly. just herbs it. Like, who cares? <laughs> so overall, I really like this book. I liked it in 2017. Yeah. I like it today. I think that it's totally yes. solid. I really like the emphasis on pushing through all of the cards rather than getting trapped yes. in any of them. I think that developmentally yes. that's really cool. Mm-hmm. And yep. we it give us a lot to think about and we'll continue to. Oh yeah. Yeah. For me, the book was like, I think if you're in any sort of creative field or have a creative outlet and if you get tend to get stuck or you kind of want need to push forward, this is a great resource for you using tarot yeah, totally. to be able to kind of push you forward. Or even just like some of the methodologies that she talks about in the book. Like even if you don't buy the whole book, like just listening to the podcast, like, Oh, okay. You know, building the story from this Celtic cross. Exactly. Great idea. Oh, so like one it. of the things that we're going to do for Patreon listeners is each, we're going to draw a card and each of us are going to consume one of the pieces of media that she oh, recommends yes. for that card. And then we'll talk about that in a Patreon episode. Um, yes. so do you want to draw cards now? Yes, we can. And then I we'll talk have... about what we're doing next week and finish it off. Yes. Yay. How exciting. Okay. I like it. My draw, I'm using Circo Terror because it was immediately right here. Modern Witch is not loosening up quite as quickly as I hoped it would. It's still fairly oh. stiff. That's what she said. <laughs> I love it, but it's like a whole body effort. <laughs> she is. It looks like it's a full body workout. Yeah, it really from is. this angle. Okay, so let me draw a card. Okay. My intention for this is what is a piece of media I need to consume? And then I'll pull the okay. card for it. I, at first, I thought you said, what is a piece of meat I need to consume? And I was like, whoa, well. <laughs> That's a weird way to look at this. <laughs> I know. Okay, I pulled the star. Ooh. Oh, that's fun. A lot of the star suggestions were really cool. Yes. Okay, let me get this. And I pulled the Ooh. nine of wands. Ooh, I did like the nine of wands chapter. That was a really yeah. good chapter. 
So I will be either listening to Preludium for Jazz Band, composed by Igor Stravinsky, reading The Place de la... Wait, it's just kidding. Can't read. Okay. La Place de la Concorde Suisse, a book by John McPhee, or The Phaedrus, a book by Plato. I like that mine are all books, except for the one song. Oh. So well, I will you're be going to laugh what mine is. What, so. Yeah. I'll be consuming one of those materials and then we'll do a Patreon episode about it. Yes. Okay. And mine is the Ziggy Stardust card, basically. <laughs> They're like, you will remember David Bowie's so, name. So I can, I know. It's good. So I can either listen to the whole entire recording of The Rise and the Fall of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars by David Bowie, In Memoriam to Identity book by Kathy Aker, or The Dead Ringers film by David Cronenberg. Cronenberg. Oh. So I have three different medias to choose from. So we will see what is easiestly most easily available to Esther. Thank you for Englishing for me. Yeah. It's late. Awesome. I'm excited for that. I think that'll be really fun. We'll see how it goes. And for our Patreon supporters, you'll be able to hear that hopefully next week. Maybe we'll see. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Maybe the week after Depending on how, how often, you know, I can get through the whole. Uh, Yeah, exactly. I'm like already planning on doing the Plato book because Plato's books are always like 45 pages long. All right, next week we're going to be doing the Lucky Potion Oracle from our friend and one of our newest Patreon supporters, Richard, at Odd Mix Market. Market. And we're so excited to talk about this because I mentioned it when he gave me one of the samples. It's so innovative and cool, and I cannot wait to review it. Yes, full review. I cannot wait. I'm taking notes yes, already. Exactly. And so that's our show. Don't forget to send us your questions. You can find all of our contact information at wildlytarot.com, including a handy form with which to submit questions. And also tell your friends about us and write and review us. It helps us grow. And we really, really appreciate it when you and do that. And we got for a us. new review that was really fun to read. And you should go check it out. Aww. I will go check it you out. You can also follow us on Instagram at Wildly Tarot Podcast or join our Facebook community by searching Wildly Tarot Podcast on Facebook. And as we already mentioned, you can support us on Patreon. We would love your support. So thank you for allowing this podcast to grow in ways that we did not think was possible and, when we first started. Yeah, exactly. And because we have been buying all the decks and books we've been reviewing, but Patreon has allowed it so that we have a little bit more flexibility in that we can do things like cool new decks that are upcoming or that maybe one of us is a little bit more skeptical about or whatever. And it's super fun. (laughs) Yeah. And remember go forth and tarot wildly this week. We love you so much. much. Have a great day. Bye.